Yeah, I don't like that either, Barry. Get it right, buddy. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> Welcome to Over 50, starting over, everyone. I'm Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Happy Friday to Happy you. Happy Friday. It is a beautiful September. What is it, second, third? It's the fourth, I think. Oh, is it? Like a check right yeah. here. I never know the date. It is the fourth. And How I, about that? September is one of my favorite months because Why is it's, that? it's like August without the humidity. Usually. Oh, you know what? It's funny over here. And by the way, the sun hasn't even come up yet here. So I don't know if it's a beautiful day or not. But over here, the uh, September can be just like August as far as oh, 100 sure. degree weather every day. Yeah, I believe. Well, look how much further south you are, for sure. Yeah. And, but you know, we get so much humidity up and over here. And so yeah, September is just a gorgeous month and it's like a high of 74 today wall-to-wall -to -wall sun no humidity you know san diego weather la weather right right yeah so yeah. that's really nice oh man uh i want to of course talk a little bit about some career stuff and i got a lot of nice stuff to talk about but i gotta say the the news cycle this week thank god was not nearly as bad as last week like last week was horrific you know? Yeah, I don't know. I saw a lot of crazy stuff in the news. Oh, there's some crazy well, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like uh, Chicken Little out there. The sky is falling down, basically. Oh, it really is. Uh, I will say that last night on West 67th Street, which is the street my buddy Dan lives on, uh, Gordon Square, a police officer was shot and killed, and there's a oh, manhunt. No. Yeah. Uh, it's hor horrible. I mean, Boy, to be a horrible. police officer today... Couldn't pay me enough. Mm -mm. I just, you so know. So disrespected. And the whole movement going on, I, I know we're going to get more into this in a little bit, but the whole movement going on is just heightened violence against them, encourages it, yeah. it, enables it enables it. It's a horrible climate that we're in culturally. It, it really is. It really is. I remember, you know, growing up, my parents were really big on making sure that I respected the police and listen to what they said and they they put them up on a i mean it says the way that we they were... spoke of, of them it was that they were to be respected not that yeah. they were to be feared but to be respected you well, respect the, the law our generation in the prior generations before us and this is our fault by the way we're always blaming millennials for being themselves we raised them okay uh, but we were taught to respect authority. And so if you, God forbid, your parents got called by the principal of the school or whatever, oh. I would be in big trouble. Are you As kidding know, me? Yeah. Today, those parents go rushing over there and start yelling at the teacher and saying that they're wrong. You know, right. What do they kids. call them? Helicopter parents? Yes. Yeah. Hover, hovering over their kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hey, so as far as career stuff goes, and I want to hear about how your week's going. It's so interesting with you because each week, because this is like week four, I'm thinking for you. It's um, actually uh, the sixth week. Is it really already? Yeah. Can you believe it? This no. is the completion of week number six see it's so exciting now because it's still so new and things are always like starting to ramp up quickly like i can't believe it's week six i know hey i gotta tell you something uh you're gonna like this so i saw yesterday this study uh by the national academy of sciences that 
nice guys don't finish last in corporate America. You know, there's always such a stigma about you know, the people at the top are the biggest assholes, let's say, you know, the people that throw people under the bus that um, live, uh, uh, what I want to say, lead by fear. We talk about this quite a bit. Right. But right. okay, so just pulled a couple of main points out of this. People with disagreeable personalities, selfish, combative, manipulative, do not have an advantage in pursuing power at work. CEOs who are nasty and bullying create cultures of abuse and tend to lead the organizations to fail. Okay, that's kind of huge, right? I'm going to say it again. That's CEOs absolutely huge. Who are nasty and bullying create cultures of abuse and tend to lead their organizations to fail. That's very important. Mm. Selfish, deceitful, and aggressive individuals were no more likely to attain power than were generous, trustworthy, and nice individuals. And why not? Disagreeable individuals were intimidating, which would have elevated their power, yes, but had poor interpersonal relationships at work, which offset any possible power advantage their behavior might have provided. And conversely, the extra, this is like a, a painting of you, the extroverted, nice, and moralistic people have people that rally around them and prop them up and help them and want to see them succeed. That is everything. It's the network of people that you have around you that ultimately decides uh, the success and failure of your career. I love that article. That's a you scientific know, study that took place over 14 years. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, that's really good to hear. And, you know, I've really seen in, in my time, in, in my career, a, a real shift that's happened to team-oriented business and it's no longer that you can be the lone ranger out there you've got yeah. to be able to collaborate with your team yeah. and so when you have a leader that really has that charisma where you want to be around that person you genuinely like that person um it it it, it, it's inspirational and it causes you to want to go above and beyond in fact those people actually can inspire you much like a a coach that I can remember I had in football where you feel that you can do much more than you ever believed that you can do just by being around that person. And that yeah. actually breeds success. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It, it does. And I like what you said about uh, you feel that you could do a lot more than you thought you could. It's true. It's true. When you have somebody that believes in you and you believe in them, it's almost, it's a little bit like your faith in a higher power, how you get. It's a lot like that. It's a lot like that. Yeah. So yeah, good leadership that comes from uh, a, a solid belief structure uh, and positivity, man, it wakes somebody's heart up. And when somebody's heart is, you know, just uh, full, you can do almost miracles, you know? It, it it takes your job to another level where this isn't a job anymore. This is more of a mission. It's something like you said, it's a heart thing. Yeah. And you, you'll, you'll do things after hours. You don't want to let that person down. That's no, a big sure. factor as well. And, neither, and not, neither do you want to let your teammates down either. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, this kind of uh, segues right into, uh, I had a meeting Wednesday night with a new uh, collaborator. I wanted to say client, but she uh, is very much a competitor. And as she told me, and uh, I won't say her name because I didn't tell her I was going to say this. It's probably good free publicity for her, but hey, I, uh, I didn't discuss it. So, but she does uh, media. And of course, I do online 
marketing. And it's very, very much, uh, things very much overlap, but she needs work with uh, SEO, search engine optimization for some of mm -hmm. her clients. And mm -hmm. I'm working on video production for her right now, which is just something I enjoy doing. And I... Uh, Seems like she needs quite a bit of that. And she is 52. We just, uh, we were having lunch on a patio, having coffee on a patio. And it was a fun, uh, very collaborative conversation. She was telling me about how she had a work divorce a couple years ago. And she's here in Cleveland Heights as well. And so her and her partner had a falling out. And it was oh. like, you know, bad. She's... I had my my over 50 starting over story, the uh, over 50 starting over concept was born out of my kind of a bottoming out a few years ago. And then we uh, not so long after started this podcast, but uh, she had a similar story. So her bottoming out uh, caused her to question everything and her relationships professionally and personally and just wanting to rebuild uh, everything in a more, more positive manner, which I had the same come to Jesus moment a few years ago. I really hit bottom. And I, I, I think I shared that story in our first podcast, which would be funny for anybody to go back and look up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like in the deep in the archives there. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm just going to say briefly that everything culminated. I was really bottoming out in my career and my personal relationship and everything, just a really negative place. And then my mother, I got this text and my mother got in an accident and broke her back. Oh, and I right. had, yeah. I had to move out to her house for the summer and it was a gorgeous summer. I had to take care of the dog and cat and my dog at that time too. And she was in a re rehab facility uh, for a few months. And it was a, quite a reawakening. I worked about half days and just rode my bike around thinking and reliving my childhood back there, the, the like little that. town that I left behind. And yeah. with all of those memories, a lot good. And I would sit out at night with the uh, dogs and cat and think about, I started making a list of all the things that I hated and wanted to leave behind about my mm. career. And all of the things that I liked and there was a lot of things that I liked, like uh, the teaching and uh, the branding aspect of my work. And I decided that I was going to concentrate on those two a lot more. And I was not going to work with clients that I didn't like anymore, that I would have partnerships with them. Uh, because I had one really incredible client at that time, and I was basing in a great relationship. And, I was, and that was one of the things that I decided I wanted to make things more like this in the future going forward. Right. And it was like a big turnaround. She had the same kind of story. It was very inspiring to put that all together. And it's all, it's the 050 concept. At this point in our lives, we should be enjoying what we're doing because we spend about two thirds of our waking hours working on whatever it is, our career of choice. So let's hope it's your career passion. And if it's not, change your career or change your attitude. It's going to be one or the other. Well, you know, that's really interesting, Barry. And, you know, I have had the experience of working with a client or two that was just unsavory. And it just, you know, was not, it just caused life to be like going uphill. Like, it, yeah. this is a drag, man. And these were, uh, and one I'm thinking of specifically was a really big project. So, 
I ended up having to interface with this person all the time. Wow. And it just was, it just made it so that I, I questioned my, myself and, you know, yeah. am I a good person? It gets to that level. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, it wasn't like I could back out of the relationship because it mm. was really a business relationship and it meant so much to the company. So you're sort of in a rock and a hard place in those yeah. kinds of situations. And it's, uh, it's interesting. And how do you deal with that? Uh -huh. You know, there, there, For me, there was a lot of self-talk and just realizing that, hey, this isn't personal. This is business. Mm. And this this person actually has a problem. I actually had a um, a boss that um, really, it seemed that he had a very big insecurity kind mm, of problem. Sure. But Don't we all? Manifested, some more than others. Well, it manifested as he, it was sort of like the CEO you were describing earlier mm. in, the, in the show, where he just used intimidation yeah. as his tactic. But that was his, his, his shield that he would hide behind. Sure. Really, I think inside. Oh, by the way, the sure. guy was like seven foot tall. Um, really? I, oh, dude, yeah. as you were saying that, I pictured this like five, six uh, dumpy guy. Isn't that interesting? Because it really, um, it was almost like the Wizard of Oz, you know, you go behind the curtain and there's a little midget yep. back there. That's, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's really what that's was going on. Oh, yeah. And it made life hell, not just for me, but everybody on the and team. And in those circumstances... I suggest that you just get out of there. That's what I did. Because it will tear you down. It will tear your psyche down. And then you will start believing that you're in this, in this rut. It will make, put you in a, a depression, a, a bit of a, a very slow tailspin. And it happens so slowly, you may not realize it. And you start to question yourself. I mean, that's, that's really where the depression comes from, right? Is yes. that you yes. think it's you and that you're, you should be able to handle this and that you know come on like i've heard you say just rub some dirt on it um <laughs> right we like to think that as men with our egos we like but to even women that. are like that i mean mm, i just yeah. I, you know we have especially people our age we grew up in an age where it was hey tough it out yeah uh, i think from the millennial standpoint maybe maybe that's one thing they have right they'll get right out of there like oh, i've had enough and not come to work <laughs> but and file a lawsuit for right, discrimination right, of some right. sort. Yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it is it's a serious thing out there and speaking of that i mean we live in a day especially during covid where depression is rampant oh it is it's a serious serious it's, enemy that's out it's there. insidious because as i was just alluding to a second ago because i've battled it many uh phases in my life i'm very like susceptible to it it's not an introverted really deep thinker i get too inside my head a lot but point is oh and then our gray six months of gray around here oh that you know it, contributes to a it factor so it happens so slowly I, I think i said this a couple of weeks ago that as in my personal experience that you don't really realize you are in a depression until you're on your way out of it a lot of times Ooh, you have to be yeah. so self-aware and and if you've if you battled it, then recognize lifestyle things that you may have to alter so that you don't find yourself sliding back into it because you won't realize it sometimes until it's a little bit, you're behind the eight ball on it. Hey, well, I many, to, go ahead. many signs of depression have to do with your lifestyle and how mm -hmm. the things that you loved to do suddenly you don't like anymore, which is a big 
dashboard indicator, I would say. Oh. And also during this, this COVID-19 time, we've been also isolated that just what you're saying right now becomes a factor because, you know, you might not notice yourself, but you need yeah. loved ones around you to, to tell, gently tell you that, hey, you know, are you okay? I'm yeah. noticing this about you. And so I say this that, you know, for people that you know are alone out there, reach out to them because there are people now that I know that even some of my neighbors that uh, live alone and they're afraid to venture out. They sure. might have some comorbidities themselves, so they're high risk, elderly. And reach out to those people because they, they need, people need human touch. Yeah, you know, along those lines made me think of this. So my mother, who I talked about uh, breaking her back a few years ago, she, by her own estimations, is like 98% back. Oh, And, and you know, what was, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, what was so deeply disturbing about that situation is the hallmark of my mother is her vitality. Now she is, I think, turning 80 uh, in, or just did. We're celebrating her birthday and my sister-in-law's sat Saturday. And I just uh, got a message that her internet is unstable. So I hope that we're good here. We see. Yeah, I think you said that she's turning 80. Uh, yeah, or just did. I messed that up. She, her birthday's in August. We're celebrating it this Saturday, uh, tomorrow. And um, her, so her whole uh, distinguishing characteristic is her vitality. She would shovel her own driveway. Uh, I think you mentioned that before. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that she's the fact that she's ninety eight percent back is absolutely just uh, enlightening to me. And I'm so thankful and appreciative of that. My point was to what we we're talking about. So, this eighty year old woman, a very vital woman, she does what's called Meals on Wheels, and that is she volunteers to deliver meals to the uh, elderly that are in need of it, and she's done this for years now. <laughs> Some of them are. You know, she's older than some of them that she delivers to. But I'm telling you, man, my mom is like really vital. And uh, so, but she's saying that because of COVID, that some of these people, to your point, are so isolated, like they just can't wait for her to show up. And she tries to have some conversation at a distance with them because it's so meaningful to them. And it's really sad, the state that we're in, you know? Now, now, Meals on Wheels, is that just for the elderly? I think so. I really can't answer that because it's a Lake County thing. I'm in Cuyahoga yeah. County. Right. Uh, but it is for people in need. I don't think that you have to do anything but apply for it. And, I see. Uh, it's volunteer. It's all volunteer run. And think how meaningful. By the way, I have something that I was I started to put up here in this 050 section, our, our initial segment. Uh, that I put at the, I decided to cut out of here and I put at the very end. So stay tuned for that. Stay to the end of the podcast. It is a feel good story that is beyond belief. And it's, ah. and it's along the same theme that we're talking about right now. Oh, and, and if that. you're depressed, if you're somebody that's prone to depression, you'll get a nice little lesson out of this as well. So we will segue back to that at the end. Boy, I, I love to hear that. Uh, that sounds great. Cool. Hey, do you want to move right into current events? Because time's already flying. Sure, sure. Where yeah. do you want to start? Uh, I was going... I have a I, place to start. Why don't you go ahead? I know where I would want to start, but it gets so negative so quickly. You just go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, I have 
only negative things to talk about. <laughs> but how about this guy? I mean, if we have you looked at what's happening in Portland lately? That's where I was going to start. Last weekend, yeah, this is the big story, really. I think um, this the uh, uh, prayer patriot or patriot prayer is the name of the conservative group that came in on Saturday night. And say what you will about them, the press has said terrible things, that they're a far-right group and that they've painted them out to be really everything that Antifa is, that they don't say that Antifa is. Do they have video of them doing violence, committing violent acts? No, they. I I've didn't not, think they did. I've not seen that. However, I did hear that they had uh, paintball guns that they were using to defend themselves. So, but this is a violent group. Antifa is a violent group, and so you well do documented. defend yourself. So, what ended up happening was uh, this person, Aaron uh, Danielson, was shot on Saturday night, really unprovoked by Michael Forrest Reinold, and he he died right there on the scene. And there's right, video of right. this. I, have you seen the video, Barry? No, no, I don't oh, want to watch that. It's, it's, uh, it's terrible. Now, the interesting thing is that this person, Michael Forrest Reinold, had been arrested during one of the previous riots. He resisted arrest. He was found to have an illegal loaded weapon with him and because of the situation that's happening in portland right now he was released without bail and so now he was released without bail and a month later he murders somebody with a right. gun right he was actually on video i was just watching it last night on video and he was admitting that he shot this person and saying that the reason that he shot this person was because they were going to stab to death his friend of color. Oh, by the way, Michael Forrest Reinold is his white. Mm. It's and very so important this, that we get our races straight today. Yeah, it's interesting. The guy, it's interesting. The man has a, a black fist tattooed on his neck. The white and, guy? Yes. <laughs> and um, he says he's Antifa all the way. Wow. That's one of his quotes. And so he... Um, he fully admitted that he shot this person, but he was trying to say that he shot this person in self-defense. But the video that that's out there shows otherwise. Mm. It shows a, a group that is with him and two guys, and they're yelling, there's two of them right there, pull it out, pull it out, seemingly referring to the gun. And before you know it, bam, uh, this guy's on the ground dead. And so uh, last night... Uh, late night, I find out that the feds actually catch up to this uh, perpetrator in the state of Washington, and that uh, the line is that he pulled out a gun as they were trying to arrest him, and they shot him dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I put that on the mayor's back. Uh, he's the one that's let this go for um, how long has it been now? Three and a half, four months? I think it's been about 90 some days now. Right, right. So I don't know. I, I've been given some thought to that. We need to make some adjustments in our political structure that um, I think these mayors need to be held accountable for some deaths here. I don't I agree. And, 
yeah, I, uh, I don't know how else to put that, that uh, inspiring the violence from the get go was, you know, I understand that this came from a philosophy that was popular in the 60s, that if you let people just do it, it'll burn itself out. And, uh, and it's been proven wrong scientifically over and over again. Right. And yet these uh, uh, ex-hippies or whatever uh, still believe these things, and which is way off track. But I saw this documentary, I don't remember the name of it, on Amazon Prime, but it really uh, laid out how we got to the, where we're at today. And I'm not given enough credit to, I talked about postmodernism, that thing that's been going on for a while, but I've not given enough credence to the baby boomers that were in the hippie generation embracing the idea of society because they had Woodstock and everybody shared everything for a weekend, you know? So this whole communist socialist kind of uh, mentality really got deep seated with them and it's perpetuated from there. Yeah, it, it, it has, it's, it, it always gets corrupt. I mean, it seems sure. to me that the main idea of everybody having something is seem, seemingly a good idea. And I think that's the trap. But, it is a uh, trap. As it it robs people about, of their sense of purpose. It really does. And as we've talked about, people, uh, we live in a world where, Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and so somebody's going to rule over that situation, and they're going to corrupt the whole situation. And that's what's happening. It's never worked. It, We've it never happens, seen it. Work. You're right. It happens every time somebody takes advantage of that situation, and uh, and then it absolutely becomes corrupt, and millions of people die, starve to death as a result. Well, we've seen this uh, Ted Wheeler over in Portland, the mayor just really blaming that this seems to be the the political strategy is just blame somebody else especially blame the president yeah and you look at the city falling apart and how the president has offered help uh and the, really the mayor just says all of this violence has everything to do with you meanwhile huge crowds of people are are chanting for his resignation. They're actually, they've been camping out outside of his apartment building. They broke in, they broke windows this week. They set the bottom of his apartment building on fire. His poor neighbors. Didn't he move um, or was it, it wasn't him? He's, that... he's, he's said that he was going to move. I don't know if he's moved already. I would have gotten out of Dodge as quickly as possible <laughs> if I were him. For in but, a Biden's bunker with a... Yeah, they're going to they're gonna burn his whole building. They tried to burn his whole building down. They've put graffiti all over the place. This is a an $800,000 apartment uh, that he's in. <laughs> Which, by the way, if he you're must get a, paid a public really servant, well. How do you afford that? Right. I, that's, that's a that's good, a great question, right? That's a very good question. Hey, I even want to back it up with this because this is from CNN. Headline from CNN this week: Portland police declare a riot after people try to start a fire at the police station. Do you know how hard CNN dodges stories like this? Even yes. they wrote about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine getting together with your friends? I got, an, I got a great idea. Let's burn down the police station. Really? Let's uh, have a couple beers first to make a night of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. What's going through their heads. And, and the fact that they have, and, and here's the other thing that's happening, in the state of Portland, other police stations uh, have been called into action 
or requested to come into Portland to assist with this terrible situation, and they're declining. They don't want to go. And the reason is because what happens is you arrest these guys, all that, that does nothing. They end up on the street uh, with no bail and no accountability. And not only that, uh, it's a situation that's extremely dangerous for the police. There's no backup. There's no protection. If you actually take action, you're demonized. Why would you want to put yourself into that fire? Mm -hmm. You know, several weeks ago or a couple of months ago when this whole defund the police thing started off, I was kind of on board with the, of course, not defund them, but better training. And I'm still on board with that. Do you know how little training police get? They really get very little training. It's up front. And then after that, you're on your own. And it should be rather regular. And even... I think even maybe incorporate some psychological uh, uh, tune-ups in there because, I mean, these guys go through at least minor bouts of PTSD along the way. I cannot, I mean, you're seeing a very negative part of society all day, every day, very violent part of society. Mm-hmm. That's got to wear on you. Oh, sure it does. So anyways, I, uh, I'm all about being very much against the defund the police movement now and i'm all about uh, just enhancing we need we need to go the other route we need to enhance our police they need to be uh better probably better paid better trained so not defund no no more funding more funding well if you take a look at let's say for instance the the polls in the black community it's something like eight out of ten black people that live in black neighborhoods are asking for more funding for the police not less funding. that's huge uh, oh why yeah. do we not hear that poll in well, the media isn't isn't that interesting how this kind of thing is not in the news you know it's it's this is the sad state of affairs that we're looking at right here because if you just take a look at how things are covered in the media these days it's it's really a shame because the freedom of the press under the first amendment is supposed to be a protection for the citizens but now it looks like the press is beholden to a very strong arm of bureaucratic government, and they want to paint a picture that only benefits the political elite. If you take a look at what's happened in Kenosha uh, and the visit that Donald Trump had to Kenosha versus the visit that Joe Biden had to Kenosha, you'll see very different stories where President Trump on every major media channel was portrayed as throwing gasoline on the fire and antagonizing the situation while Joe Biden was painted as the man of peace that's actually going to heal the situation. Unbelievable. He's um, never done anything in his political career. Well, if you take a look at, I wish that the press would just report what's happening rather than try to deceive us with their narrative and that's what's happening over and over again really really truly is it's uh it's disgusting the amount of manipulations going out there and if you if you dig enough you will find people that we've noted that will tell you that have left media because they're 
because of the it's it's all about ratings and blog hits and they're desperate for it because of the amount of competition out there everything our podcast is competition and there's just millions of these kind of outlets blogs and everything else not to mention there's not remember when there was four or five different news outlets uh when we were much younger yeah right and so the battle back then was for, who was the most integrity laden who was uh what was the word uh, in the press about uh, being very moralistic uh, there was a word that i can't even remember but it was there in, in journalistic integrity i think that's a was, good one but it was about who could be the most unbiased direct and give you the both sides of the story so you get right. formulate your opinion and there was a very patriarch a patriot why can i not say this now patriotic uh demeanor behind that because you wanted freedom of the press and freedom of uh, freedom of speech, man. We took pride in that and meant everything so that we could see all sides of a story and arrive at the best solution. That's gone well. It, and if somebody were caught lying about a story, no one would watch that station any longer. But, <laughs> Very true. But today, lies have been caught many times and it doesn't seem to have the effect that it that it should have no i think that for a large part because uh, we've been divided up into our teams i think for a large part that we actually actively seek out people that support our narrative and if there's misinformation in there it's like well you know we need a little misinformation to counter the other side's misinformation and i and I think all of that is BS. I think that uh, we try to, we certainly try to see both sides of things here and uh, lay it out because there is a lot of misinformation out there. You know, speaking of that, Barry, I wanted to bring up another subject that's come up this week that I think is really eye-opening and that has hmm. to do with COVID-19 and what the CDC came out and reported just last week. Hmm. And I find that the, the whole subject becomes very divisive when you start to talk about it. But here's, here's what they said. And this is on the CDC website. You can go to mm -hmm. the website and you can find this pretty easily now. But what they're saying is that of the 161,000 deaths, at least that's the tally that they had on their website last week, that 90, I'm sorry, 6% of those deaths are actually attributed to COVID-19 alone. Mm -hmm. The other 96% of the deaths- 94. Uh, 94, thank you. Uh, math wasn't my thing. 94% uh, <laughs> of the deaths had to deal with people that had comorbidities, and on average, they had 2.6 comorbidities. Uh, so the people what that, that died- What does 2.6 Whatever so is. so what that means is this. I had to look this up myself. So a comorbidity is a chronic disease. And when you look at a chronic disease, you'll find that a chronic disease is something that you had to have had for at least three months ahead of, uh, ahead of it being called a comorbidity. And these are serious diseases. So what we found out of the 161 was that the 161,000 was that of those deaths, 68,000 of them had influenza or pneumonia. Uh, they had um, 55,000 had respiratory failure. 
35,000 had hypertensive diseases, 25,000 of them had diabetes, and 78,000 of them had other conditions. Oh, by the way, about 75, 80% of those were over 70 years old, over 80 years old. Um, And so on average, I said 2.6. So that means on average, they had at least two of these diseases including Mm COVID-19. And so what you're seeing here is that the majority of these people were already very sick. Not to say that COVID-19 wasn't a factor in their deaths, but it seems to me that that changes the picture considerably when when you look at the face of these lockdowns that are continuing to happen. And I I had to say that um, I I start relating that to what I see as a storm that's brewing. And that storm is all around our elections. Oh, you're right. You're right. And so what we're seeing here is this whole push for mail-in ballots because of the COVID-19. Now, it's interesting that the very same people that are saying that we have to do this mail-in ballot are the same people that are that have always said look at the science well we're looking at the science right now and Mm -hmm. by the way dr fauci is one of those people who have said no you can go to the polls and for the people Mm -hmm. that are in those vulnerable groups which is a small subset of people here Mm, uh, they can they can do the um absentee ballots so there's a difference several times absentee Mm -hmm. right so there's a difference between absentee ballot and mail-in ballot. You, mm-hmm. you know that, right? I've heard that, but I, can't, I couldn't describe to you what the difference is. Here's the difference. Well, actually, I'd kind of like to hear from you. When you did your absentee ballot, how did you do that? Uh, I said I've done it a couple of times. The first time I did it was about 15 years ago when my buddy and I were going to San Diego. So we weren't going to be here for the election. So you How did you get away. your ballot? Uh, and I've done it a couple of times since. So every year, I mean, every election cycle, you get uh, something in the mail that says, hey, the, up, the election's upcoming. Here is where you can go vote or you can register here for an absentee ballot. That's it. So you sign up that little card and you send it. There you go. You had to register for it, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So this is the difference. An abs- absentee ballot is something that is verified because you had to register I for see. it. With the mail-in ballots, they just they mail use them out. the voter rolls that, that they have right now, which, by the way, are completely screwed up. They have not updated these. There's dead people on these. There's people sure. on there twice. There's people that addresses are wrong. They're just going to mass mail those out. I see. And so the voter rolls are really what the real problem is. We haven't even talked about the, the Postal Service and how inadequate they are. But oh. these state-run voter rolls have been corrupted, and they are not accurate. And this is what you're depending on. So what's going to happen is that people are going to get ballots that um, are going to show up in other people's names and dead right. people's names. They're ju- right. This is something that we already know that there was a, a bipartisan 
a study done that was run by Jimmy Carter and um, and and uh, Senator Baker years ago that they came out and they said this is one of the most dangerous ways that we could put the vote out. This is absolutely fraught with ways that it could be corrupted. And what I'm saying is that if we are going to go forward with mail-in ballots, what we're setting ourselves up for is a serious confrontation with the civil body. Either, no matter which way the election would go, that nobody, one side or the other is gonna be like, ah, that's a bunch of uh, fraud going on there. So why, here's my question. Then why don't, first of all, I think we, we should not be afraid 95% 95% of us should not be afraid to go and do standard voting. I, agree. Um, I got a follow up to that, but why don't they, my question to you is why don't they just do the absentee ballot way on a wider scale? So you right. are valid is validated. Right. right. And that's always been available. And that's right. This is a valid way of voting. We've been doing this for years. What they want to do is they want to change it so that there can be this smoke screen. Yeah. You saw uh, earlier or last week where Hillary Clinton is now quoted. I'm just going to read her quote because it's astounding. Uh, <laughs> she says, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and as relentless as the other side is. Wait a second. I wish you would do that in her voice. Oh, God. I, I would drive myself insane. Nails on a chalkboard. Oh, oh. I, when I heard it. But how, first off, this, is, this seems to be the plan, is that if for some reason Joe Biden doesn't win the election on election night, then what they want to do is they want to drag it out. They want to use the U.S. mail to say, aha, this is, no, we have the votes. And here it is. Joe Biden is the winner. Um, there are predictions out there that uh, this will come down to actually having to use the U.S. military to remove Donald Trump. Oh and also God. there are predictions of mass violence happening as a result. And so I saw an interview with Bill Barr out there with um, uh, – what's the guy's name from CNN, uh, Blitzer, and uh, Wolf Blitzer, where Barr was saying, hey, doing this is actually playing with fire. We know that this is a sure way of corrupting the vote. Now, with Hillary Clinton saying this, how is this not an offense against the state, almost treasonous? You are actually causing our voting system to become unreliable to the general public, which is what our complete democracy is based mm -hmm. on. You're destabilizing our democracy by saying this. And here's a person who was the secretary of state. How yeah. irresponsible is this? I, I think that we should just uh, keep with the, the tried and true system and just say, hey, uh, we're going to make an effort to increase the absentee ballot. So feel free to do that. Here's how you do it. And so I people agree. know, and that's it. Uh, I don't know if you could back me up on this. Uh, I 
seem to remember hearing earlier in the week that there was a study that found that the coronavirus was that you really can't get it from contact that is purely respiratory. So the masks are a good thing. They work, but you really don't have to worry so much about what you're touching and so on. Did you hear that? I've heard it go both ways. Yes. Okay. I just, I, 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 I've heard them, I heard them up. come out with this and then I heard some people say, no, that's not true. So, it, you know, we live in an, an, an era where we can't trust what we're hearing from ain't the that, so-called experts. Ain't that the truth? Cause they flip flop on it continuously. Hey, they so really you know, do. back to the, the whole findings by the CDC, I've seen this play out this week and uh, some people that want to say, uh, oh my God, only 4% of people are, at, are truly, uh, have truly died. 96% had other complicating, uh, other complications. And it's like, geez, man. Don't More than go, one. Don't go so, so far to the right with that. Because what I get out of it is we, and this isn't much better, we don't know how many people really died from the coronavirus? Because when there's 96% with other complications, God only knows how many of those truly corona was the, the deciding factor and how many it wasn't. So uh, once again, here's my point. Once again, we really don't, don't have good information, good solid information. I, I would agree with you. But I do yeah. think that this really points to the fact that there is a segment of the population that is very vulnerable to this. Mm -hmm. and those are the people that need to be careful. Sure. What my point in bringing this out is that they have closed down all the schools. They've closed down all the churches. Mm -hmm. They've closed down all the restaurants. They've closed down all the gyms. They've closed down all the hair yeah. salons. They've closed down our way of life. Yeah. They've closed down our economy. They've impacted hospitals to a gigantic degree where now they're not profitable any longer, which mm -hmm. has an impact on every single one of us here in the United States if something were to happen with our health, when we could just be focused on a segment of the population and ask them to quarantine. This whole wearing masks all over the place is ridiculous. Um, I wear a mask for other people. You know, it's really... This has never happened in history. We've lived through other, um, other epidemics before. The last one was in the late 60s, 100,000 people died. We didn't close down our society. Those people actually had to quarantine themselves. That's sure. actually what would work. And when we take a look at the fact that most of the people that have been affected with the comorbidities were also in advanced age, they were over 70, why would we close the schools down? We, we can see that um, the kids actually uh, are the least vulnerable to this whole thing. And most of the teachers are below 70 years old. I mean, we should be asking the people that actually had those comorbidities that were elderly. Maybe those people are the ones that should be getting the paycheck protection plan mm -hmm. instead of the whole wide world. Boy, and you're right about that. Care of these people and we get through this. But keeping the kids out of school has an impact on the adults that are trying to either find a job or they're trying to work. They can't do that at the same time you're you're it seems to me that and this is the part that makes me mad is it seems to me that there has been a plan to purposely destroy the entire country and that's the problem the problem i have now you also see this politically elite class 
that seems to be above all of this. We saw Nancy Pelosi in the yeah. hair salon this week yeah. where <laughs> she was, was out there without that was funny. <laughs> she was out there without a mask and, on. And she threw her salon under the bus. Can you believe the There's character? a GoFundMe page that has already raised like $150,000 for Really? Mm. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know she's got her lawyers now after this salon and they're really? saying that the salon owner never closed down and that we have photographs of her actually opening her salon between April and now and they're trying to they're trying to they, they, she's already ruined the business is already ruined but Nancy Pelosi Thanks, Nancy. it's not it's not over for her now this is the same person who has been pontificating about how we've got to pass another stimulus package because it's hurting the business owners and it's hurting America. She doesn't care about that. No. She doesn't care about that at all. She just cares about power. But that's what I'm trying to say is that it seems like what we have here is we've got a politically elite class of people. We have, we're in a caste system mm. and that our press has been corrupted and they actually now belong to that politically elite class. And mm. therefore, when we watch the news, we're hearing the propaganda that's coming from the politically elite class and they've used COVID-19 to advance their agenda. And Absolutely. now they're using the, the U.S. mail and this mail-in ballot thing. See, this is the thing, is most people, just like you, most people don't know the difference between absentee ballots and mail-in ballots. I'm glad you cleared that up. I, I now I do understand it, and I do understand the danger of it. Yeah, so, it's it's you know. it's really it's really crazy what's happened. Um, hey, hey, I want to go ahead. Oh, I wanted, I wanted to bring to up. <laughs> <laughs> you go, go ahead, Barry. I have a question for you. I just saw this this morning for the first time. I have not read this article. I see this headline. Joe Scarborough calls on Cuomo to walk back statements that he made about uh, Trump being out of bounds. And uh, then there's that's an, interesting. Uh, that's an article by The Hill. And then Fox News has a, a headline, NYC Mayor de Blasio responds to Trump de defunding threat. We will see you in court. It's just, I have not had a chance to read that. And for Joe yeah. Scarborough, who's got TDS more than anybody else I've ever seen on TV, yeah. he's telling Cuomo to walk back statements about, made about Trump. Whoa, that's, uh, that's something. So you don't, you don't know what that's about yet, huh? Yeah, so what's going on there has everything to do with these cities. And they've named, they've named uh, four of them so far, Portland, Seattle, uh, New York, and there's one other one I'm trying to, I don't think it was Chicago, but it was one of those cities. And they're saying, look, if you're not going to manage the crime mm -hmm. uh, and manage these riots and things that are happening, then we're going to cut off your funding. Sure. And so these people are now firing back. De Blasio was on the news. What did he uh, say? He must he have said, said that uh, you, you, Mr. President, have let us down. And this is really taking a page out of uh, Wheeler's book and mm. blaming all the violence and, and things on him. I just want to say this, Barry, and this is so cool. Mm. You were right about exactly what they were going to do with yeah. this violence in America. I have a quote for you. Because okay. I'm, I'm actually really proud of you for, for coming up with this whole thing that I just how are they going to it. twist this and yeah. how are they going to turn all of the violence into this was Trump's fault? 
man, you nailed it. But uh, here's a quote from Joe Biden this week. He said, uh, failure to call on his own supporters uh, to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. Does anyone believe there will be less violence in America if Donald Trump is elected? Wow. Uh, that's a that's, big uh, wow. I, is what they did right there. They did it again. Right there. It's We're going to bully you into voting for Biden. He just said right there, if you vote for Trump, you're going to get more violence. You know, you nailed it. It's not only blaming Trump, it's actually bullying you into believing that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I do believe this too, that <clears throat> Trump gets elected, it's going to be a lot more violence. And they're using this because they know these are, these are people that are beholden to Joe, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden, uh, who are saying, look, if he gets elected, we're going to burn this place down. And he's, he's actually using it as a campaign threat Whoa. that if you do not elect him it's gonna it's gonna get real bad out there what a time in history i just you, imagine like if i were a little kid and in 10 years i'm in grade school or junior high or something like that reading back on what took place today hoping that right. 20 years from now we're in much better times yeah I hopefully kind of, yeah, I kind of hope that because of everything that's taken place, that as much as I wish we had someone else to take over for Donald Trump, somebody very respectable, we, we have who we have. I hope that Trump wins in a landslide of epic proportions that people can't even believe, so much so that you have to question what the hell's been going on the last four years. We didn't see this coming, but the majority of American people are obviously not on board with what we've been trying to pull here for the last four years. You know, it's interesting because you know how history repeats itself and, and you've brought up the 60s during this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, you know, at the end of the 60s, uh, beginning of the 70s, President Nixon was in his first term. He got elected in 68, and uh, we had a similar environment. We even had a, uh, a pandemic happening at that time as well. And uh, What was that? I uh, can't remember what the name of that was. I don't have that off the top of my head, but okay. about 100,000 pe people died uh, during wow. that time. The, uh, the president actually was running against McGovern at the time, who, very similar to Joe Biden, really embraced leftist ideology. Mm -hmm. And really, Nixon was your law and order type of president. Now, his personality wasn't a personality that many people embraced. However, they did not want to give up our constitutional government, and Nixon won that election in a landslide. And I really believe that there's a similarity here. Now, I personally uh, don't have the hatred of Donald Trump's personality. I kind of feel like, especially now, this is the personality that the only personality that can stand up to I this understand. type of rhetoric. I mean, we saw the mm -hmm. nice guy, Mitt Romney, and the mm -hmm. weak guy, uh, John McCain. These guys couldn't, couldn't, uh, they couldn't hold, they couldn't hold up. They didn't have the backbone to, to fight the, the fight. This guy is a fighter and that's why he's in there. Hey, I got another quote for you from Joe Biden this week. I think I heard this one. Go ahead. Uh, this one comes from one of his commercials and it's uh, a question. 
why in America can black Americans wake up knowing they can lose their life just by living their lives? Ooh, who uh, wrote that? That's awful. Well, that's a Joe Biden. Joe Biden's actually saying it in one of his campaign commercials. And I got to say this, I 100% reject that. I think that it's disgusting. I don't wake up like that. No, you don't. But think about the very underprivileged neighborhoods. There's truth to that. I think what, what he's alluding to is um, not so much dying because of the police, because that's what we're talking about here. Uh, gang violence happens all the time. And yes. if you take a look at the statistics that are happening of all of the black deaths that happened, it's um, about 90% of it was black on black. More than that. Something um, like 95, 96. Yeah, it's, it's so the crazy. numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. And so the, the problem is not police officers killing black people the way that the Biden administration would have you think. We've got a problem in our black communities right now, yes. and that's what needs to be looked at. And that, believe me, I believe, you know, what we saw over the summer, that was on full display. Uh, with the looting that we've seen, with yes. the violence in these cities. That's what the problem is. It jumps off the page. And if you see something else, it seems to me that you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And what we're doing is enabling bad behavior. So it's just that you, if you had it with a kid, okay, it's, you, you could treat the population of a country, look at it the same as you can a, a single individual, a child, because in a way that's what we're being treated as the, the entire yeah, population. Right. And if you enable a, a ill-behaved child's behavior and say, it's okay, it's okay. And think that they're good because they're throwing a temper tantrum. No, you're going to get worse. They're bouncing off the walls, trying to find boundaries uh, because they don't know what the boundaries are. We have to help people from the inside out. So in our underprivileged communities, I am all about doing studies and implementing plans to help educate people, give people proper opportunities. And sure. I would re really like to see real desegregation uh, for, well, for real. Here's what I have to just add to that is that I don't think that the black population wakes up every morning thinking that they're going to die just because they're living their lives. I don't, yeah. I think that's a mischaracterization. I think you're right that there are underprivileged areas sections of our society that have to live like that and it's not just black people um so i i do agree that that's happening out there but i it's don't not believe that just in, black people right it's and not. i don't There's, think that it's 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 a black thing right. i don't think that um, it is in the media people wake up and say that i think it's just that's what i reject that's what i think is disgusting and mm -hmm. i can't even believe that that's a campaign platform Speaking of campaign platform, going back to what your your theory on how they were going to put this all on Trump, which was dead on accurate. Nice job. Uh, the problem, though, is that in Biden's administration, of course, they're not mentioning any of that. Now they're coming out and they're talking about all this violence. This is the first week, really, that the Biden administration is talking anything about the violence that's happening in the city. They completely ignored it during the Democratic National Convention. Biden's not really talked about it. But now because the polls are showing, hmm. hey, he didn't get that bump during the Democratic right. National Convention, and, and Trump did, now he's out there. He's got to do something. 
the problem is, as he's talking about this and blaming it on Trump and not actually talk and actually blaming all the violence and saying these are right wingers that are doing this. Mm -hmm. When we see videos of Antifa doing this, mm -hmm. the problem is, is that many people in his organization have donated to funding to release these rioters from prison. Right. And one of those funds is called the uh, Minnesota Freedom Fund, who a big contributed contributor to that was Kamala Harris. Oh my God, really? Kamala wow. Harris, actually, uh, I, I've got one of her um, tweets up here. It says, if you're able to chip in now to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota, uh, she sent that out to her five million followers oh um, she is a so now i just talked about this guy reinald that was let out of jail without having to post bond and then he went and murdered uh this gentleman aaron danielson just this week this these celebrities these people like kamala harris are responsible for letting that happen mm. and now they're actually blaming donald trump for it Oh, that, what a bunch of clowns. We got to stop listening to these pseudo politicians uh, that are just simply in for election and, and power and these celebrities which are undereducated and live in a bubble. I, it's, I, we got to start listening to some smarter people. <laughs> I agree. Well, it seems to me that um, it, it, we live in a time now where even in the face of facts, people just have a hard time they just want to believe what they want to believe isn't that the I, i'm truth? sure that that people that disagree with me would say that's what i would do yeah uh, i don't believe that about myself they would probably say the same thing so we find ourselves at an impasse mm -hmm. but um i just have to say it just seems like there are people out there that have eyes to see and ears to hear uh that these things that that, that they hear sometimes they bring a a chord that seems off and they're like, wait a second, I got to look into this. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to say, ever since the whole COVID thing has come out, I've had a, a the, the, there's been an irres uh, irresponsive chord in me, if that's even a word, uh, that, that has struck where it's like, this just doesn't sound right that we all have to quarantine as a result of this. Yeah. I mean, it just has never seemed right that we should destroy our economy because we have a virus that's out there. Yeah, I, and I've said all along, we won't know what we did right and what we did wrong until we're looking at it in retrospect. And I still believe that because we are opening up in a large degree. Because don't forget, this isn't a United States thing. This has been a worldwide thing. And so right. we'll be able to see who's done the best job and who's done the worst job. But guarantee you are absolutely right. There's just a lot of politics also uh, entered into this. Well, the fact that this had to hap happen on this election year is about the worst timing ever for a pandemic. Yeah, that's the part that also seems very suspicious to me. And I, I would just have to say this, that I agree that it's a worldwide thing, but this is the only government in the world that actually operates the way that it does under the type of constitution that we have. I, it, it doesn't surprise me that the rest of the world would act in a certain way. It does surprise me that 
our country would steal away liberties from people that are enshrined in our constitution when that's never happened before. And the big deal to me is how quickly most of society has capitulated to that. That to me is scary. Mm. Uh, it goes back to the, the uh, sediment that says, I would be happy to give up my liberties for the common good. That's death to our society, and that's what I stand against. Right. It's kind of like uh, we've mentioned before, a tragedy like 9-11 happens, and they introduce the Patriot Act right away, and we never right. get those freedoms Can back. Never take it back. That's exactly right. right. And now we've opened up Pandora's box regarding many other of our freedoms, and you can see where it all started out to protect us against the surge in hospitals, and this is only going to last for a couple of weeks, well, we've seen that the surge never actually happened. We didn't ever have, we never had overpopulation of the hospitals. And yet we've gone from three weeks to several months now. And these, uh, these politicians seem to not want to relinquish the power and the, the iron grip they have over our society. And okay. that is very, very concerning to me. And I, and I would just say this, that from my perspective, looking back, I can already see where we've gone wrong and what we've done wrong. And it's having a dramatic impact on the, all of society here in the United States. I don't care that they've done it in other countries because I would expect them to do that in other countries. Mm -hmm. I would never expect them to do that here in this country. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, everybody, I just want to mention that please go to over50startingover.com to like uh, our Facebook page from there, or you could also go to Facebook, obviously, over 50 starting over and like it there. But at over50startingover.com, you could also sign up for any of our podcast platforms or see our YouTube video. You can also leave comments. And if nothing else, just to make it simple for yourself, just sign up on the pop-up window, leave your email address, and you will get our show notes and our episodes, all, all of our goodies right to your email box as they happen. Merle, do you have any other current events stuff that you want to address I quickly? don't, but I have a lighter side thing that I wanted to talk about, and then cool. I want to get into your lighter side because yeah. I'm excited about that. But, I um, too. I just wanted to say that uh, I saw a movie this past week that I really liked. And I'm usually a few that. years behind in movies, so I, I don't see them right away. So <laughs> for me, this was new. But it was La La Land. Have you seen that movie? No, that's a musical, isn't it? It is. They, I remember they, they when never it came do out. musicals anymore. I hate musicals. Usually, hate I'm not a big musical person either, but this was so, like, such a great story. And it was made that it feel really good actually and hathaway and no uh it was oh boy now i can't remember uh what her name was doggone it and no it wasn't Anne hathaway i'll tell though. you in a second yeah but it was just it was a it's a love story it's a great story emma i Stone. actually emma Stone. oh she, geez and ryan gosling a, this is they, this sounds like a chick flick i love chick flicks oh that's this right. was you, you know why i love it is because there's Usually there's a happy ending. It makes you feel good. In true, this world that true. we live in right now, yeah. we need good feeling stuff. Yeah. And the music, I loved the music actually. Yeah. And if you're looking for, this was a, I watched this on Sunday morning. Remember we talked about a Saturday night versus yeah. a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. a great Sunday morning I movie to watch. Okay. What did you catch it on? Uh, HBO? I recorded, I think it was on HBO, but I just recorded it off of that. Mm, um, mm. I also wanted to say that, um, 
my anniversary just passed number 19 we had yeah. a great time we went out yeah. to dinner because we can still Where? eat outside Where? this place in oh, west the Denny's? village the Denny's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to be attacked story. by rats so uh we 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 ate outside it was it was it was romantic it was beautiful we it, we found this place by a lake and the sun oh. sat over the mountains and everything wow. and, and Anne marie looked so beautiful and it was oh. it was outstanding we had a really nice time and then finally i had my bible study last week uh, that i led and it was really uh quite a thing it was wonderful yeah. um it was a you know this is such a great thing because now we're living in a place here in california all our churches are closed mm -hmm. uh but we could have a venue where over zoom Mm -hmm. where you know for an hour and a half we could we had i had a subject and we discussed it it wasn't me just talking it's a place where nice. you can ask questions and yeah. ask those questions that you wouldn't ask in church you know like interesting um, you know well, where did god come from you know no one will ask that question what happened to um, those damn dinosaurs yeah, yeah the, all, that. all that kind of stuff we yeah. can, this is a, a, a safe place where you can talk about I things and just be real and and the other thing too is you can disagree. You don't have to just swallow everything. But you know, the awesome. whole thing is, hey, well, if we fight, if we, the, we have to agree that the Bible is the source of truth. So let's and and also we can't just rely on one scripture. Um, it, the Bible has to uh, prove itself. So we find it in many parts of the Bible. Anyhow, it's just a, a great place where we can come. And we had a very successful meeting last week. It was great. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun. And it's very engaging. And that's what I think that we miss from when we think of traditional church. You're just yeah, being it talked was actually, at. You know? Yeah, it was actually exciting. It was almost yeah. adventurous. So, that sounds uh, fun. It yeah, sounds fun. it was. It really because was. Because I've been so into those Jordan Peterson uh where he's analyzing scripture and it's fascinating and he does it from a largely a psychological point of view even a political right. point of view and right. it's fascinating and so i would be very interested in that kind of thing and i also wanted to say as you're talking about the restaurants and stuff lisa and i were just talking about going out to sushi with you guys one of our last days of our california trip your your local sushi joint that you guys liked we had a really good time there oh uh, yeah Okay. Yeah, that was, was that was really cool, wasn't it? Wondering if you froze up. You you were frozen there for a little bit. We've had yeah, a you, tricky connection. Yeah, I caught I caught what you heard. What okay. You said, All right. I wanted to end with this. This is a fascinating article I found yesterday, and I had tears in my eyes through the whole thing. And uh, I, I have a link for it in the show notes, and it's about a couple here in Parma, Ohio, which is our neighbors of. Uh, south of Cleveland, and it's Tyler and Melan Melanie Tapania, I would think is how you say their last name. So this is an article they were featured on today.com. So it's a national thing. A couple donates their wedding day food to a shelter and spends the day serving the homeless. So this, this just really choked me up. And, you know, I was thinking about from the beginning, we were talking about depression and hopefully not finding ourselves going down the road of depression, these people will never go there because they dedicate their lives to helping other people. What happens if you actually find yourself in uh, getting clinical uh, attention because of depression? One of the first things they're going to say is, help people, join a volunteer group, mm -hmm. call somebody that uh, you know, may need a friend. 
help an old lady across the street. It's always about getting outside yourself and helping other people because we're social animals and we're social interdependent. There's nothing more natural than helping other people. And we lose that in our artificial society. Uh, you know, sometimes getting too caught up in video games or what are our addictions or whatever else. So again, back onto this uh, really amazing couple. So they realized that they wouldn't be able to host dozens of guests as they plan at, at their planned nuptials this summer. They canceled their formal formal reception and decided to put the money they spent on the food to good use. After months of planning, the Tapanyas came to the conclusion that a big wedding during the pan pandemic was not for them. Instead, they had an intimate ceremony on August 15th. Congratulations. And instead of getting a full refund from their caterer, listen to this, their caterer's Betsy's bomb ass burgers. <laughs> <laughs> they also have a food truck apparently mm. they contacted laura's home a nonprofit that feeds and houses homeless women and children in cleveland and asked for permission to donate their prepared food from their wedding ceremony melanie in wedding gown and tyler in his tux put on a hairnet and gloves and serve the guests wow that's Okay, I'm kind of choked up from that I myself. Am <laughs> and I got to tell you, it went on to say that uh, they actually had enough left over to feed them for several more days as well. Oh, wow. That is, and that is really sweet, say, Barry. I really love that story, and I'm glad you, uh, you brought that up. As long as they've been together for some many years, uh, I don't remember. And I'll leave, a, I'll leave a link to that story. They every year do something different that's charitable. So this is their way of life. And geez, see their pictures. What a good looking couple. Wow. Well, it's, boy, I love stories like that. I'm so glad we ended on this story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just gives you hope in the world. And uh, I, I, I wish the news were full of those kinds of stories. They are if you look for them. You got to yeah. look. You got to yeah. look. Yeah. 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 All right. With that, uh, man, I love you, brother. Can't wait. Love for you too can't wait for next week everybody uh put a smile out there to strangers as you walk by them if you can't muster that up at least take the scowl off your face all right you gotta uncover your mask first then do that and uh, <laughs> have yourself a uh, a happy labor day weekend be hey, safe out there yeah thanks a bunch see you next week bye.